From the team at CTS, this is the Train Ride Podcast, our show for endurance athletes who want to learn how to train more effectively and improve their performance. I'm Coach Adam Pulford, your host for the cycling edition of the show, where it's my job to interview top coaches, scientists, experts, and athletes in the world of cycling to bring you actionable training tips that you can apply to your own training. Now, let's dive into the show and learn how you can train right. All athletes, professional, amateur, weekend warriors, we go through adversity and seek to overcome the challenges as we push toward our goals. I'd argue that all humans living a life do the same thing. And in the context of an athlete, the goal is a bit more objective. And the context of a professional athlete whose sole purpose and paycheck relies upon their performance to keep their job is even more objective. And that's why I've chosen the guest specifically for today. She's a professional athlete at the top of her game, going for wins in the Women's Pro Tour Peloton and medals at the Olympic Games, all of which are very objective goals. However, the human element still needs other subjective things like balance, happiness, fun, other non-bike things. Everyone's balance is as different as their own story. But I hope that the stories we tell today helps you, the listener, to seek balance and overcome adversity when it does happen again in the pursuit of your objective and subjective goals into 2023 and beyond. We have a lot of fun today on the episode. Um, The person who I'm interviewing, she's one of my athletes. We've been working together for some time. And I, I just think that she, you know, she brings really good energy to the table. She's got good perspective on all of this. She never ducks away from the pressure. She loves it. She loves to win, but at the same time, she keeps the balance throughout. She has a ton of fun. So we do, uh, we start a little goofy, <laughs> but it's like I said, we're just having fun throughout. And then we get into some of the nuts and bolts of how we've done it. Um, uh, both, uh, successfully and sometimes unsuccessfully throughout her career. And again, I just hope that the stories that we tell and some of the, um, the techniques we used are helpful for you to apply, to apply to your own training. What up, Allison? Hey, Adam. <laughs> how's, how's life in the North country? Yeah. Um, been actually pretty sunny and dry, a bit crisp, but uh, we're staying above freezing. So I'll take that as a good day. Yeah, that that is a that is a good day up north there. Um, <laughs> you betcha. Oh, you betcha. Oh, you betcha. Oh, yeah, there. Well, <laughs> we'll we'll be conning around in this episode a little bit, um, a little different flavor than in times past. And I would say that most of our listeners will probably know who you are. If they've been watching the women's tour right now, but for those who haven't been shame on you, first of all, um, <laughs> but for everybody who may not know who ja- Allison Jackson is, could you tell us who you are and perhaps where the best maple syrup in the world comes from? 
<laughs> well, I think that last question is an obvious answer. Of course, it's Canada. Obvi, obvi. <laughs> Maple syrup uh, <laughs> from Quebec. That's that's the place to be. Unfortunately, I'm not so close to that area, but uh, we still get all the good drippings out here in the west of Canada as well. Um, yeah, no, I've. Um, Allison Jackson from Canada, uh, been racing professionally for, yeah, seven, seven seasons now. Um, most of that has all been, been in Europe, came to the sport a little later in life, signed my first contract when I was 25 and yeah, I've just had, um, yeah, basically growing from one success to the other, finding out, um, yeah, how to be the best that I can be in this in this sport and enjoy myself quite a bit along the way. Yeah, that's it. That's a really good summary. And you know, for, for anybody who does know you and kind of follow the socials and some interviews and stuff like that, you, you, you bring some energy to the table in other words. Um, <laughs> yeah, people, people say I'm a bit extra <laughs> Yes, at times. Um, but yeah, I bring a lot of that extra well, it all in a, in a positive way, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I I'd agree with that for sure. And it's, it's a huge part of why I want to bring you on the podcast, because like I said, my kind of opening remarks for this episode is, you know, you got, you got some real pressure in, in, in the way of performance, but you do a really fantastic job of, you know, having your cake and eating it too, when it comes to being a professional athlete. And it's something that I've always respected about you, um, ever since we met back yonder, um, whatever year that was. And, um, and then we eventually started working together, but you know, over time it's just, you know, from afar and then working together, it's, you know, your, your capacity to kind of, um, punch through the bad and celebrate the good has been really remarkable. And that essentially, you know, all joking aside, that's what I want our listeners to really lean into today. Because I, I think sometimes, you know, whether it's that, you know, that huge Ironman or, um, you know, Leadville or <laughs> getting in 18 hours of training as well as a 50, 60 hour work week, have a couple of kids, a relationship, a dog, and trying to keep it all together. You know, that can be pretty challenging. And when I look at an athlete like yourself who can kind of, I wouldn't say maybe, you know, balance, we'll talk about balance, but as I said, just do a good job of kind of leveling out all aspects, taking the pressure down a little bit when you have to elevating it when you have to, it's, that's what I want people to, uh, to hear. So do you think we can do that? I think we can do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'd say too, I mean, those who look upon you, they, I mean, they may think that you present uh, the lifestyle of a professional athlete as being pretty fun and glamorous. Over to you, Allison. Is the lifestyle of a professional women's cyclist all fun and glamour? <laughs> it is not. Although, I mean, there are parts of it that I also absolutely just love and eat up, and and those real good parts, I for sure project the most because um, there are a ton of fun moments and, you know, life is about story collecting and we're doing a lot, a lot of that and, you know, sharing that in, in a fun way. But I mean, when I signed my first contract, 
I basically, I knew that I was going to be missing out on, on some things. And I knew that there, when you accept the good, you're also accepting the, you know, the dark side of that, the bad things. And, um, before I signed that first contract, I basically sat with myself and thought, okay, you know, what are the things I'm saying yes to, which means that I'm saying no to a bunch of other things and, so, and, you know, counting the cost is what I, how I say that. And basically that was like, nope. Uh, if I'm going to be a pro athlete, I'm going to, yeah, say yes to the travel, say yes to new experiences, um, coffees in all sorts of different countries and meeting people and, you know, getting new bikes and stuff. But um, I'm also going to miss out on a lot of family time. I'm probably going to miss out on, on, you know, best friends, weddings, maybe birthdays, birth, um, you know, missing out on, yeah, you know, family things. Also, you know, vacation stuff is going to look a little different. I'm going to, you know, have to be pushing my own agenda sometimes on, you know, more social uh, trips or, um, yeah, being away from home, uh, managing relationships in a creative, different way. And uh, yeah, switching pillows and beds um, <laughs> over and over again. Uh long flights, uh, you know, taking on risk of, of injury, of bad injury of, uh, yeah, taking on, on stress and, you know, all the snot, blood and tears yeah. <laughs> too. So, um, yeah, it's not all glamorous. Yeah. I have, you know, gotten to live in Italy, get to live in Spain, you know, all those things we just think sound so great, but yeah, there, there's a, there's a balance to that. Yeah. There is. And if you zoom out far enough, I, you know, you could, I see it as, you know, just another job. I mean, sure. There's some glamor. If you're into bikes, I'd say people outside of this industry, they look on professional cyclists, <laughs> most of them anyway, and be like, where's, where's the glamor? That seems kind of gnarly. Um, but just like any other job, I mean, you, there's the great parts and there's the crappy parts and, um, you know, being, you know, throughout my career as well, coaching and uh, directing, you know, being on the road and kind of being in the thick of it, you know, at races with athletes and stuff. You're also, just, you know, there's times where you're just schlepping the stuff and there's times where you're part of a world championship. And yeah. I, I think I grew to a point where schlepping the stuff was just as cool as that world champ because you, it all combines together and I haven't had a job in my life where you haven't had some of the bullshit to go along with the awesomeness. Right. Yeah. 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 And one, one of my mottos of life is actually do well with what you have right now. And yeah. basically for me, that helps me to, to look at what are the positives in my circumstance right now, or what are the things that I can really dig into and fully enjoy that are, that I'm going to grow from that are going to give back to me that are going to keep my heart happy. Um, really dig into those and then recognize what is lacking, but not use that as an excuse for maybe why I can't perform or, um, or yeah, a, an excuse for why the situation will be bad, but just look at how to manage those things, not dwell too much on that. Just really try to focus on, on what are the the good parts. Um, and that will always be shifting and changing. So, yeah, um, that's great. And yeah. that's, yeah, in that, that mantra or that worldview, I, I would say, 
it kind of hits home with what I want and like the kind of the, the goal of this episode for a lot of people to, to hear, you know, and I think it also sets the stage for at least, you know, the past couple years of your career, because I'd say we were at some of the highest of highs in 2021 and almost at some of the lowest of lows in 2022. So I don't know if you could, for our listeners, could you maybe like highlight some of those highs of 2021 and, and kind of like guide you into that 2022 and we can talk about that, but what happened in 2021 that was like so amazing and, and rewarding to you? What's the highs? Yeah. Um, I mean, first off, I had a great team environment that just really made my heart so happy. And I think, you know, a happy heart really translates into good performance and how you can interact with the job that you have to do. But yeah, I had the the best season of my life. So, um, and made a lot of, ticked off a lot of things on the, the, yeah, box of goals and, um, yeah, made a lot of dreams come true. So, I mean, results wise, um, yeah, I got to be national champion, but on the road and the time trial, double national champion. You get to wear that double, Maple double. Leaf jersey. <laughs> a double double. <laughs> That's a great Canadian reference. I hope <laughs> everyone got that. <laughs> uh, um, and also, yeah, getting to compete at the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games. Um, yep. Absolutely dream come true. Um, yeah, won my first world tour um, stage, Simac Ladies Tour, and uh, won the yeah green jersey tour in Norway that year, and then had my best ever result at uh, a world championships. Actually, the the best result that Canada has seen since I've been a part of the program. Um, sixth place at the at the road world championships in Belgium. I didn't know that that was the best Canada had done. Huh. Wow. For for yeah, for as many years that I've been in it. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah. In the, in Innsbruck in 2019, mm-hmm. we also had uh yeah, t- I was on the team and we got um yeah, Caroline, she was also sixth. Um so we got to break that mark. Yeah. Uh but yeah. Got to break yeah. the sixth barrier. Yeah. We can do that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, a, a ton of momentum, huge, amazing year for sure. And everything was, you know, ship shape going into 2022. And, and I was super excited because like, as a coach kind of looking in, it, like we had all the boxes checked. We had all the, the CTL and all the metrics and all the momentum and all the trends going in the right direction. And yeah. all of a sudden... I don't even remember what month it was, but like early, early on, what happened? Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, you know, it's a win- winter months out here, <laughs> so we're doing some skiing. <laughs> Gotta stay warm there. Eh? Gotta stay warm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I actually, yeah, I had a crash tore my ACL yeah. and, um, from other sports that I know, basically getting that news, I thought, oh man, that's like season over. Uh, thankfully, like um, the trend in how we manage ACL injuries is ha- has been changing, but also as a cyclist um, in a linear sport with a lot of stability, um, we didn't have to go down the the surgery route, but it still, you know, it takes time to 
recover from an injury. And then once you get recovered, then you get COVID and then that takes you out for a while. And then, uh, and already, you know, we're in season at this point trying to, yeah, cl- you know, catch up. Um, yeah. And then, uh, crashed again. Uh, Gant was basically, you know, the, my A list target for the year crashed bad, got a concussion, um, you know, had to spend whatever the couple of days were in like full darkness. And, oh, it's just, yeah, you know, one of those things you just got to wait out. So that was time off again. Um, we're getting back up to fitness, feeling really good coming into nationals. Want to defend that, the, the double, the double, double. And, uh, am laid out that full week, just like sickness, um, you know, all the snot and head cold stuff. You can't breathe. I'm just in bed for the, the six days leading up. I have to, I can't breathe on the time trial days. So I skip that hoping to be better for the road race. Uh, you know, show up, I'm show up. It's in my hometown. Um, I'm going to race, uh, haven't been riding all week, still feel terrible, but you know, sometimes you, you know, you don't get the best prep for an event, but your body sometimes, <laughs> you know, and also for me, I'm an entertainer. I get in front of a group of people on a crowd and my, you know, fans and family, and I, there's going to be some energy pulling from somewhere, but you know, still that's not the the place that, um, you know, I'm not at peak performance. Um, you, there. you rallied for nationals though. Like I was impressed, ultra impressed by that for sure. <laughs> Just full entertainer. Yeah. But uh, I mean, kind of a, for the people <laughs> and still a double, double, uh, but only for the silver medal though, uh, nationals that year. Yeah. 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 yeah that's right. Yeah. Uh, crit, crit. I got to race in the road race second yeah. in both. Yeah. But let me, I'll, I'll pause you there because I'll give you, I don't think, well, let me confession time here a little bit because and I think it plays too on like how we overcome some of this adversity throughout because, you know, we had really good momentum. We were both, you know, excited for the trajectory of 2022 that we had a major, major injury to start the year off. And I remember I was on a training camp in Florida when, when you called, and I don't know if you remember this, but I was like, I was like shopping at the Publix <laughs> and there's probably like, you know, uh, cause and it was like super late at night. I'm talking to you and, and like, it's emotional and I'm, and I'm like, man, ACL, like, all right. I haven't had an athlete with an ACL injury for a while. We can do this. And I was just like trying to be as positive as possible, but I was like, <laughs> man, Allison, like, I don't know about this year. <laughs> like that was in the back of my head. I don't know if I really communicated that, but <laughs> And that's probably something, you know, also with that, with the athlete at some point, you know, that me, the athlete might be so like just strong, terrible. And we need the balance of the coach to, you know, keep the positives up, (laughs) but Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I could like, we were, you were low for sure. So I was trying, I was just like, no, we can figure this out. And we did. I mean, like you got on it from, um, like getting all the doctors involved. I was reaching out to everybody that I knew, um, PTs, orthos, all the things. And I think that we did. So the positive and how kind of, we were kind of first overcame that was, I think to 
get as much information as possible, get second opinions and be like, okay, so not going to the knife. What are the implications of that? How do we move up from there? And it wasn't sexy. It wasn't glamorous. It wasn't awesome. It was a lot of trainer time. It was a lot of start slow, you know, or start low, go slow kind of thing and build up. And luckily we weren't off the bike for so long that we detrained a ton. I mean, we lost a little bit, but we were able to kind of get back on the trainer in that unilateral <laughs> kind of pattern without having to um, do anything outside uh, too much, but you're able to build back up. And then as you alluded to, you know, getting COVID and then getting sick and you, you sounded really gnarly by the way, before nationals, like it was, <laughs> didn't, I didn't want to tell you that either, but I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean the mountain of tissues that was piling up in the bedroom. Yeah, it was not good. Yeah. Yeah. But again, like I didn't again, like like coaching remotely, you know, I I never said, "Hey, AJ, you sound a little gnarly there. Why don't you blow your nose before you talk to me?" I like I was just like, "Here's where we are, right?" Yeah. Yeah. And and so, you know, throughout that time, I mean, can you like What's the self-talk? What are you telling yourself when you tear your ACL after you just competed in the Olympics and placed the highest at world championship than a Canadian has done over the past 10 years? Yeah. You know, in those moments, you just almost, right, you can't take it back. <laughs> and so the the time spent on just like beating yourself up about it, for me, I get over real quick real quick because it's not helping us move forward it's just making you feel worse it, you know yeah. um yeah just digging you in that hole and so you you know i acknowledge that uh what i did what happened all right we can't change that so we're not gonna you know ruminate on you know sometimes this happens with bike racing you know you you make a mistake in a bike race and then I can't sleep that whole night. Cause I'm just like thinking of the different scenarios or the, you know, better choice I could have made, could have made. Well, maybe you spend an evening doing that, but you have, you have to just acknowledge that this is where you're at. So now what can we do from here in this point? And even if it's, yeah, a bit shit, that's just all right. Now, if we believe everything is figure outable, this is where we got to get creative. Uh, we got to reframe this situation or think of, yeah, what can we work with um, right now? And so, yeah. And I think, especially with the ACL injury, um, yeah, we really had to get creative and that's also when we pull into other resources um, and people to figure out how can we yeah, maintain the training? How can we also heal the injury? Um, and I mean, yeah, there's a lot of emotions and um, the, the self-talk that you have to go through and manage and, and keep that up. So yeah, the, um, the, there was a lot of physio, a lot of, you know, the recovery tools that I could have, I had access to, um, like, uh, you know, icing, icing the knee, doing the Normatec boots. Um, yeah, lots of like, um, appointments with the physio with the different modalities that they have also you know yeah I could still be on the on the bike on the trainer um, being you know just careful with clipping in and clipping out and you know managing the the uh, you know RPE the rate you know how hard you're going to go but we also right the 
the gym we did. Uh, did we do the, the hand, hand erg? the ergometer? Yeah. yeah, forgot about that. Oh my god, how'd you how'd you like that? Oh, how did I like that? <laughs> <laughs> I guess two two maybe separate questions. Did you like that? How did you like that? Because I remember being like yeah. the first kind of observations or comments or discussion. It, it, yeah, t- tell me because I know. Yeah, that I mean that. Cyclists, we are not used to using yeah. our arms, but you know, I believe so much of them. So fit, but man, that thing destroyed me. Yeah. But it, it's interesting because it's like, how is this? Like, I'm you know cycling with my arms. How is this actually going to help me at all um, as a cyclist? But right then, that's when we get to the basics of physiology. So, what are we training? Yeah. Okay, if we're not training, we might not be training the leg musculature, but we can we can train that with a bit of the the physio stuff, the strength work on the bike stuff, but we've got to keep up like, you know, our VO2, the, you know, how we're breathing, the, uh, the intensity and stuff. And that's, that's where your expertise comes in more than, more than mine. But yeah, to be able to understand what we're training and how we can get the outcome by being creative and thinking a little bit differently. Yeah. And I, had totally forgot about that while I was creating the outline here, but a quick note to that. And I, I think it's also, um, cause I had to figure this out for another elite athlete who broke her lower leg or broke her ankle or something. Like that. I mean, years ago, and we use the hand or <clears throat> to keep energy systems maintained as best we could. And what goes on with that upper body ergometer, <clears throat> I mean, it's just so hard. You can't do volume really. You don't no. have the, <laughs> <laughs> right. You don't have the, you don't have the specificity to training. You don't have all the, the particular muscles in the, uh, bio, um, kinetics. That's not the right word for it, but you can't do a ton of volume with your upper body. So therefore our approach was to maintain the glycolytic energy system and VO2 max essentially by going more than medium hard and hard, right? It was a lot of perceived effort of eight, nine, a splash of 10. And we would then couple that with, um, all the other stuff you're doing with PT and what we could do on the bike. Essentially the bike was the zone two and the hand ergometer was uh zone four and above. And, um, I think we did a pretty good job of that, even though it sucked at the time. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. But at- also I was pretty sure I was acting just like a crazy person in the gym. You know, that person that Right. Cause I know how to train. I know how to go all out. Yeah. So I'm in there just probably flailing around like full gas, you know, like everyone's heads are probably just like, what is going on? And it's not a quiet machine either. No, so anyway, <laughs> but do what you got to do. Also, um, do the yeah, best I, with what you got, right? That's right. Hand ergometer is and, what we had. And you got, you got to be, you know, bold. You got to be brave. You got to be brave to be bad at something new. And That's I'll tell you, <laughs> You're I very was pretty bold. brave in that gym. Yeah, <laughs> bold. <laughs> well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you were brave. I'm glad you were brave. We, we, we got through it. Um, yeah, I forgot about that. That's glad that's behind us by the way. Um, but that reminds me too of how you approach and also I think how we both approach, really anything bad or good. And the the best conversation I had was actually with Jim Miller, who's, um, national, uh, 
I don't even know what his official title is. He runs USA cycling and coaches, uh, a lot of people for, um, winning world championships. Uh, dear friend, he's been on the podcast, but we, we decided we both had this 24 hour rule where you got 24 hours to either celebrate the successes or digest Mm -hmm. the losses, right? Do whatever you want. Kind of in that 24 hours, but then we're, we're moving on. And I'd say that's something that I've never had to kind of officially talk about with you necessarily, just because you have that mindset and you're like, all right, let's move on, (laughs) leave what does not serve us, keep what does and move forward in a positive way. And that's also something that I think people, um, can learn, you know, from you and can kind of learn from that process is just like, whatever it is. I mean, definitely celebrate. I, I don't think that I'd say me as a coach, one of my drawbacks is I probably don't celebrate the victories enough. I'm always kind of digesting how we can get better. Um, but when you give yourself like a time period where you can scrub the bad or, or celebrate the good, then move on. I think it works really well, especially when shit goes sideways in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think all through life, we're basically setting up reference points for ourselves to help us basically expand our comfort levels as we go. And so, you know, there's a few moments in my life and in my sporting career that I have put a placeholder in as a reference point for, um, you know, when I come to a situation like that again. So for example, um, back in 2017, uh, I was racing for an Italian team. We're going to Plue, world, a world tour level race but we're traveling there the, the day before we're coming from italy well i have to wake up at 4 a.m so that we can drive to the airport catch a flight to france then we get picked up then we have to drive six hours to where the the course is we get there um right it's i mean you're the travel time is already terrible but then we're gonna go pre-ride but now it's like it's like 7 p.m. or whatever. We're going to go pre-ride this course. We ro- roll around. Legs feel terrible. We get back. We're eating dinner at 9 p.m. And then our race is in the morning, the next morning, like 8 a.m. start. It's always super early for us. <laughs> Already, I was, like, I was like, this is not how one prepares for, <laughs> you know, like a top performance. And I remember going into that race just being like, well, you know, I'm going to participate. I'm glad I'm here, but like, I can't expect anything out of myself. Yeah. Well, then lo and behold, hold, I make the, the, you know, top group of maybe there's like 20 or 25 that make it to the finish. And now we're sprint, we're sprinting for, we're sprinting for, I guess it was third place. There's two up the road and in the sprint, like, I'm, it's almost, I had already given up mentally before I got to that place. So when I got there, I was like almost surprised. They're like, oh, I got a sprint. Well, I'm sprinting from way at the back of the group, basically like passing a bunch of people. It comes to where between third and 15th, we're all basically fit. The 15 of us are lined up like straight across the road. So it's like a half a tire, you know, between third and 15th. Yeah. And, uh, and for me, that I will always hold as a, a placeholder for like, you know, sometimes you don't get the best preparation and you have to, but what will get you um, furthest is you still got to have the mentality that you're in it, that sometimes your body can do more than what your mind thinks it can. And that's, I mean, believing in all the training that you've done beforehand and, and, you know, sometimes, yeah, 
you just get surprised, but you got to be in it to win it the whole time. And so, I mean, that's kind of the, when I think of nationals, the, the preparation for that was not good, (laughs) but you never know what your body can do. And all you can do is just hold on to the hope to, um, you know, feel it out to try hard and, um, be willing to see, um, what's possible. And I think that was also how I went into the Olympics too, right? That was, I was last minute call up. Mm-hmm. I would normally have thought, mm, the prep, we should have done a little differently, a little more heat training or, oh. you know, tried to get the body comp dialed in for this like really climby race. But, you know, I was like, well, I have what I have and I'm going to do the very best with what I've got. And what I've got is, well, I, you know, I'm so jazzed to be here. Um, I'm healthy. Uh, I had some real good training time and some heat in the summer in Canada. So I'm going to take all of this energy that I've got. I'm just going to do the very best with that. And uh, yeah. um, Yeah, no, that's, that's it. I mean, we had a short runway for Tokyo for sure, but uh, you know, race what you brung. Absolutely. And the the more, the more hay in the barn you have, the better, meaning when you're training well and you're fit, you can figure it out on the ground a little bit more. Right. And that's where I think when your trajectory right now, um, which I think is very, very good, um, you're able to adapt in many situations and you're able to, um, like figure out the mental game and and you're on this continual journey of that. And I, and that's an element with an athlete that is very hard to develop because, it's almost one of these things where if you say you're uh 2017 uh in Italy race example yeah. i think it was you know at that point the the kind of that quote of if you think you can or if you think you can't you're probably right because the right. mind is that powerful right and yeah. i think <clears throat> i've seen young and seasoned athletes get in their own way by having a lead in experience like that and just you know kicking themselves out the back because they're like, Oh, this preparation's terrible. I'm, I'm going to do terrible. Therefore I'll back as soon as the suffering happens and all this kind of stuff. The thing you got to realize is what, you know, whether it's, it is that Ironman and all you got to, you know, do is kind of keep on going. Or if it's a full on sprint, you know, life is chaotic enough in mm. to, where anything can happen. Keep on yep. going, see what the opportunities and outcomes will be. And at the same time, like your, yeah, as you said, your body trust in your body, because sometimes it's it's just kind of clearing the mechanism, clearing the brain, get your brain out of the way so the body can do what it's, you know, has hours and hours and hours of time spent doing with bike racing, right? For you. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, some of the main themes here is like, you know, life, life is never a steady state. You know, it's always in flux. It's always in motion. There, there's ups, there's downs, and being able to ad- adapt to those, and being able to um, kind of figure stuff out in the in the moment as the ups are going um, up and the downs are going down. I mean, that that can be pretty scary for a lot of people. It can be um, uh, <laughs> not relaxing. It can be frustrating. But it's the kind of shit that we're dealing with, just as human beings. Like nothing's ever perfect. Yeah. Nothing's ever yeah. perfect. Yeah. And I think that's also why it's important to notice 
take that time when you have accomplished something or when you can celebrate, because that also becomes one of these yeah, placeholders totally. or basically a shelf, almost like a restart where you're just like, good job <laughs> me. And, you know, sometimes really we have to be our own best cheerleaders Yeah. to, yeah, keep us going and keep, yeah. I mean, we're the, the voice that's loudest <laughs> for ourselves is you, our own voice in our, in our head. Um, yeah. And, and then it also helps us like when we take a moment and even if it becomes sort of like a, like a physical something that we do. So, um, you know, it's always like nice and art by graces. If we win something, well, maybe we get that Jersey. So that there's like a little physical reminder or moment, or, you know, that photo where you're like, ah, yes, I accomplished something. Or maybe it's, um, you know, buying yourself that new coffee maker, or <laughs> that th these are things that, that I've done to just basically take a moment to just like celebrate and put a pin in it to, uh, yeah, really let it soak in. Cause I think also right with athletes, we're always looking ahead, ahead to the next thing, the next thing, there's always going to be a new goal. Um, then that can get absolutely exhausting. Um, if you're, if you don't celebrate along the way and look back and be like, Oh yeah, actually I worked real hard for that. Look what it took to get there. And congratulations, because we need that positive feedback also um, when we're trying to set new goals and, and keep going. Yeah, I mean, that's that's absolutely it. Right. And I, and I go back to this abstract 24 hour rule. It's it's almost putting these these bumpers in, in place for you to be in the moment. Right. To OK, go ahead and, you know, and celebrate. Go ahead and like cry because of yeah. the bad things that happen. Um, because that, I, I think anytime that you're an athlete or a human being is if you are so unemotional and stoic's not the word for it, because that's a completely separate thing. Um, but if you don't allow yourself to feel that's, that's a ticking time bomb, that's a keg bomb ready, ready to blow. And so you need to, as an athlete, I think express those emotions and like lean into it. But like, doesn't matter what happened in the past. Doesn't matter what's going to happen in the future. All that could change. And like that present moment, I think is so valuable for the athlete because, <clears throat> you know, in the, when you're going for that sprint, present moment is all you got. When we're on yep. this, <laughs> when we're on this podcast, present moment is all you got. <laughs> okay. This is all we got this right here. This is all we got right now. But the <laughs> if you're listening to this, you better not be multitasking. This is all you got right. right here. That's right. Focus. <laughs> it, but really, I mean, it, it is. And I think once you realize that all we kind of have is the here and now, and it gets a little foo-foo like that, but you, I think you find just a, a much greater joy to focus on the yeah. task at hand, which is essentially flow in the, in the context of athletics and performance. That is flow. It's not to say that you're tuning out about, you know, living or goals for Paris, the next round of Olympics and beyond. Everything filters into that. And it's not to say that you've forgotten about mom and dad giving you all the resources possible to mm -hmm. do what you're thinking. You're aware of all those things in that present moment in order to perform. And as an athlete, as I'm working with athletes, you, you kind of come at it and you say different things, but flow is, is kind of, is that concept that we're really talking about here to really develop that, that performance that we're discussing. Yeah. Well, 
you know, I also, one of my big takeaways from the Olympics is seeing people, and also because of our Olympics was delayed a year because of COVID. Oh, yeah. And so now it becomes this five-year uh, goal that if that is your only motivating force, the only thing, then once that is gone, you just, it's so deflating. And I think you can have that goal. So having the Olympics as a goal, yeah, absolutely. That is that can be your top goal. And maybe that is your only goal, the main thing. But when you hang too much on one thing without having some balance or having, you know, other things to, you know, give you some positive feedback if that's not going well or balance it out. Um, yeah, you, you can get real disappointed or, or real lost um, or I think miss out on a lot of the beauty of the experience that's along the way. And I mean, I think that life is all about storytelling yeah. <laughs> and I think it's about like story collecting. Actually, Life is about story collecting, collecting all, all these stories along the way. And I think that's for me, what makes my whole experience. I have the big goal, but I'm, and I'm able to keep that in check with noticing the things of a, the daily life that you're collecting these wonderful, beautiful moments, interesting moments, opportunities for good, opportunities to be stretched or challenged um, all, all along the way that I, I think I just value so much. Um, yeah, on the way to getting to that big thing. But then also once you get to that big thing, so for me, you know, Olympics, um, yeah, you it helps manage, I guess, the expectation of what you're um, going to do in that in, you know, because in, in the end, the Olympics becomes one moment, you know, becomes that three and a half hours um, that can be so fleeting um, that if, yeah, you're not kind of putting these other things around it or really like, yeah, taking the time every day to just like think, wow, <laughs> then sometimes that Olympic moment doesn't become as much of a, of a wow, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Perspective and, and balance, as you said, is super important. And, you know, the, you you may answer this kind of in that same way of kind of uh, collecting experiences, but I guess the kind of the, one of the main questions I have is how do you, how do you find balance? How do you seek balance when you have this pressure to perform from your national governing body, from, you know, your team, from yourself, um, how, how do you find balance as a professional athlete? Yeah. I mean, I also came into the sport, you know, a little bit later. So I, I had a lot of life experience doing other sports, interacting with a bunch of different kind of hobbies and things. And so I've kept a lot of those like ongoing or that, you know, are, are in my life parallel to what I do as a professional cyclist. And, and I, I think that's what, you know, I also say that like a happy heart is makes a big difference in, in how you perform and in how you perform in life or how you interact with the things that happen on a daily basis. And so I really keep a good balance of, you know, it's like my community is super important. So the, the friends and the family and the influences I have around me, um, yeah, really just like fill up my heart. And, you know, if, it, and and they're not just friends and people that are in the bike world, but involved in different 
worlds as well. So that, you know, if, if you need a break from that cycling or, you know, maybe cycling is just giving you negative feedback, you need to have places and people that are going to give you positive feedback. Um, and so, yeah, that's like doing other hobbies or like for me, that's really when I do all my silly videos and TikToks and things like that is a whole nother, it is so separate. <laughs> it's so different from, you know, performing as a, as a bike racer. Um, and just, you know, this like creativity, um, outlet and that for me, and just all the laughter and joy that I get from that is really just like feeds. It fills up, up my heart in a way that, um, helps balance out when, you, you know, the hard parts of, of cycling, when you have to have so much focus and discipline, you know, the making silly videos really has its own just creative, um, outlet and a very different, uh, parameters or you know checks a lot of different boxes that aren't in in cycling yeah yeah and i and i hoped you were going to bring up tiktok i hope that was going to be your key answer to how you find balance yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because my life balance is tiktok where other people are like i need to get some life balance away from social media but <laughs> <laughs> well exactly and in fact i was at a usa cycling conference and uh scott Schitzpan was talking about how he, he, he's leading this big group of, um, high schoolers and it's like <clears throat> on the Colorado league. I mean, this group grew from like five to, uh, 115 or something like this on, on the front range of Colorado talked about social media and how, you know, the, the Gen Z or the zoomers are, um, <laughs> super into riding bikes. Like there's a ton of people on mountain bikes and road, but it's different. They're not always necessarily competing, but there are a lot on social media on devices and all this kind of stuff and talked about how that is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it's a creative outlet. It's a social outlet to connect with all these different people. And oftentimes it's not the cycling community, but it's people to kind of hang out with. And I oftentimes kind of find that in myself too. Like there's a creative space where you can use these devices to, um, just as an outlet. Right. And I, and I would also say like being this in this industry for over 16 years now, you, you work, you go to all the bike races, you're on the road, 150, 200 days a year. Last thing you want to do is come back to your bike friends and talk more about bikes. No offense, bike friends out there. Super cool. Yeah. But you just need some time in space. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And your TikToks rock it, by the way. They're <laughs> hilarious. I wish I had that. I wish I had that bravery like like you had in the gym. I, I need that That's for, right. for TikTok. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, all right. So we, we talked about some of the injuries. We talked about illness. We're in off season right now. Uh, how do you stay motivated when you get some bumpy roads or when it's... Uh, cold, the maple syrup is frozen and you got five hours in your schedule. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Does maple syrup yeah. freeze by the way? It has to. Well, so you know how, so let me, let me tell you how, how you get maple syrup out of a tree. Let's okay. Let's hear So basically it. in season you you can tap trees only in the spring and that's basically all the sap in the tree is frozen and and right when the season is changing, um, then all of it, it thaws and then that's when it drips. And that's when you can tap a tree and for the syrup, the, the syrup to come out, come out. Otherwise then it just gets thick and it doesn't move. So that's in the springtime when you can tap the tree for all the sap. 
it runs down lines. They boil, boil it a ton. Anyway, that's how, how you get maple syrup. So you could say <laughs> that, yeah, I guess in the earliest of the process, the maple syrup is frozen in the tree. <laughs> it's frozen gold See? until the springtime. It drips out and you, then you get the liquid gold. <laughs> quick, quick fun fact, side note, being from Northern Minnesota and we had land where there's still an old broken down sugar shack where they used to uh, harvest maple syrup out of. I remember, nice. yeah, I remember deer hunting with my dad and there would be these, um, uh, like remnants of the sacks and stuff. It was like pe- people that would forget to, um, you know, a random tree over there with a sugar sack is what we called it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, so I did somewhat know that that was a, a very good, uh, explanation <laughs> of how to get the liquid gold out for sure. But yeah. maple syrup does freeze folks. It's it real cold up there. <laughs> I, mean, I guess you could also just, it would be, you know, like maple rock candy. So you can still ingest it in any form. <laughs> so are you out there like in your five hours and we'll get to the five hour question. How do you stay motivated? But are you out there like lip it, licking maple trees for that hard rock candy for a quick glucose? <laughs> rock candy. <laughs> yeah. Glucose. Um, how does that work? We're, we're just like pockets full. <laughs> 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 my my editor's gonna cut this like, out i swear i like soak the gloves in maple syrup they just like froze you know and then it's like instead of the snot wipe i'm just doing the like yeah you know, chew, chew a little bit on the, the glove that makes sense maple syrup <laughs> gloves for energy <laughs> just, anyway uh all right so the maple syrup is is frozen you got five hours on the training it's off season how do you how do you stay motivated to get after it right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have, I've collected a lot of different, you know, tricks along the way. And some of them is like, sometimes I just got to set, set an intention (laughs) and maybe, you know, and maybe sometimes the motivation is like, Hey, what is the one race, you know, I really want to do well at, you know, Paris-Roubaix. I'm just going to think about Paris. And also, I mean, Paris-Roubaix is such a good, (laughs) um, hard race it's gonna t- it all what that race needs is is a is a fighter so then i just think all right this day i'm gonna you know practice that fighter spirit and every time when things get hard i just think well perio bay would be rougher your hands would be bleeding at this point and you probably would have already crashed twice and you know so, so sometimes those little you know stories i tell myself will, will will keep me going or it's like um what I'm so obsessed with right now is um, this Wanderer app, <laughs> where basically I'm trying to cl- trying to ride every road in my city in my town, and uh, this thing connects with Strava. And every time you you know put your ride, upload your ride, it makes a heat map where you've ridden, but but it'll give you a percentage of how many roads you've ridden in that community or that neighborhood, and I. Some days I'm just riding in and out of cul-de-sacs. <laughs> I can collect these. <laughs> It'll be on easy rides. Someone will look back on my map and be like, you know, if you try to like take someone's ride and you're going to recreate it. That would not be possible with some of the rides that I'm doing. It just looks like these hairy, scary rides. But anyway, sometimes <laughs> now I'll pick basically like I've ridden all the roads really locally. So I'm going to pick like it's going to be 100K before I get to ride this one new kilometer of road. Yeah. But because, you know, that for me, having that goal, I got to do it. I have to, I can't just turn around. I have to go because I got to complete this segment. And that's going to give me just that little bit of like success and joy. 
just a little bit so that whatever happens in that day, that five hours, um, I'm still going to be able to check something off. I'm going to be able to see that I've accomplished something. And yeah, for me, that feeling is, is super motivating, of course. Um, or yeah, another, you know, trying to find a pal. <laughs> Not too many of my uh, cyclist buddy pals are going to want to ride in, uh, you know, the rainy, cold weather days. Um, but a lot of times people will meet me for lunch. Um, and that might be, you know, like that mid ride stopper, like, okay, four hours in, I'm going to meet them. That's like the goal for me, get there. Um, you know, you have a bit of time, a bit of social time, you get a little jazzed up and then, you know, you can finish the last little bit. So, yeah, I mean, so yeah, just a few, few of my tricks and tips. Yeah. Little, little trickery, um, abstract random goals. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I once, I once took on a, on a random, I wanted to ride with my wife, Kristen, and, um, I wanted to check out this sandwich spot. So like we, we rode the miles and went down, got lunch, did the thing, kind of forgot about it. It's, it's down in a valley. So it was another like 2000 feet of climbing or so to get back home. Um, I was, I was totally fine with it. She was, um, not as, not as stoked about it. So I'd say just, you gotta watch your riding partners. <laughs> and their preference of, of routes <laughs> after giant sandwiches. Um, <clears throat> but I, I think too, like setting, setting your intention can be whatever could be the most random thing of, a you know, collecting totally. all your yeah wanderer points, whatever. Um, it could be, you know, finding that, that new route could be exploring something, whatever for me personally, I'll, I'll just speak to myself. It's like, the motivation from once I'm out the door, like cross the threshold clip into the pedal, I'm good to go. But like this time of season, it's like, I, I find all of the excuses. I'll do the next training schedule. I'll do the next thing. Just like, Oh, it's 30 degrees out. Oh, it's 40 kind of drizzly. I'll just do whatever to avoid the ride. But I think like, (laughs) Just put it in your account. Just, just get it in. Just, just don't even think almost be like a robot, get out the door because then I think it all kind of takes care of itself, at least for myself and some of the athletes I work with. Um, well, it's also, I think a lot of times in this season you know, we're doing indoor training rides and that's yeah. also hard. Cause you know, it's your bike set up there. You, you could yeah. get on it at any time, but just getting on it is, is the hard part. And we've talked about how, uh, you know, first 20 minutes you call someone yes and that just like gets you That's through it gets you like warmed up where you're like ah because now i can keep going once i'm already you know going once i'm in that zone then ah, i can i can keep going and uh yeah i've had that too where i'm just like rolling from one call to the next or i see another friend that pops up on zwift and then and then uh you know we're basically doing a training ride chat chit chat together we're, yeah. we're both following each other around watopia <laughs> Or, uh, I mean, the other day, right, I had a double day. So, you know, I'm doing the, did the, the gym workout in the morning and, oh man, it was a hard workout and I'm feeling so tired. Well, I take a nap. Well, that nap though, I'm waking up and I'm kind of groggy. Now it's like 5 PM. I don't get riding until like six. And, you know, my coach here has me doing three and a half hours or whatever it was. And I was like, this, this is going to be long. And the whole time I'm almost just thinking, ah, oh, I won't be able to do it. I won't be able to do it. Well, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to start. And then, oh, my legs feel terrible. Well, I'm just going to do the first one. 
see how it goes. Or even, you know, sometimes it is just about consistency. Even if I couldn't meet the, you know, the, the zone that I wanted to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do what I can. And then, oh, surprise, surprise. I was able to, to do, you know, do the zone that I needed to do. Oh, well, the next one, probably not. Well, we'll try anyway. And then, you know, by the end I was three and a half hours, finished it. And I, and then moments like that too, where I like, Allison, you did that whole thing. Like, I, I, this is how I, I pump myself up. Like, you are such a great athlete. Or like, wow. Like, I'm telling myself, like, and also, how did you? Like, I feel like such a boss being able to finish that. I finished it at 9:30 p.m., but I did it. You know, I did it. So it's also things like that that I take the time to basically celebrate myself, or like yeah. really feel like the good feelings of like completing that hard thing. So then when I get to that situation again, I think, oh, you know, like, oh, I don't want to do this or whatever. But remember that feeling I had when I did finish. And so then you think, and because I really took the time to soak that in, then uh, yeah, it helps me like remember, you know, embody that again and then, and go for it. Yeah. Yeah. The sense of accomplishment that kind of comes through um, when you just don't want to do stuff, you just don't want to, you know, do the work. It's cold. It's, there's no reward. It's, it's not a bike race. There's no podium. There's not all the people. It's just you sweating it out. Right. Um, but yeah, so when you can kind of flip that mentally and kind of give yourself that own reward, pump yourself up, I think, I think that's, it's amazing. And and I think it's, it's not glamorous. I think all of us kind of come at it in a little different way. And you know, if it's, if it's the advice from coach AP of like, just start and get going, or if it's, pump yourself up and, and, uh, cheerlead away. Like, like AJ, I mean, like whatever it takes, you know, get her done. And, and, and really I, I throw in one more angle and say, you know, if your coach is, is, uh, you know, just an arduous, uh, cold, you know, lack of empathetic person giving you three and a half hours up in Canada. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the thing is, is like, most people think that they have to come to the table and they have to perform at a 10 out of 10 for the day. The reality is, is humans are not perfect. Shocker. Human physiology is not precise. Human psychology is messy. And coach understands that. And when you, when you don't feel super into it, whatever, and whoever that coach is, or maybe it's a self-coach athlete, whatever, and there is that three hours on there, I'd say just start. And if all you can do is an hour and it's late at night and you're just like, I don't got it. Pick it up the next day. Like it's, it's not so precise. It's not so you don't have to bring a 10 today. However, keeping that momentum going with a little bit of sweat, a little bit of exercise, I think you'll rally and then you can find your legs for the next day or maybe two days after, but either way it helps to kind of carry that momentum through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and also, I mean, yeah, up here in Canada when it is so cold and we, we've had a pretty good winter here, like Vancouver area, it's been dry, um, cold, but dry for this, mm-hmm. for this month. And, uh, so, you know, on the days that you do feel good, then I, I'm just collecting, you know, some extra K's. So yeah, it might be a three and a half hour. Well, if it's nice out and I'm feeling good, I'm going to, I'm going to go for four yeah. because now you're just putting a little bit in the bank. So then it's like, Ooh, when this becomes like a terrible nasty day or I have to do something inside. I'm like, Hey, because when you have to do something that's really hard and I would say, you know, sometimes trained or days or 
you know, when it's rainy and cold and you're, you're outside for so long, like that adds this whole extra mental stress, emotional stress, stress, trying to, you know, make yourself feel like you can do it. And if you can already know that, Hey, I've got some, you know, extra K's in the bank, I'm just going to lay off the stress a little bit. It's also going to help, you know, the next training, training day and, and so on. So yeah, you got to be willing to be adaptive and a bit creative. Yeah, that that's it. And I think, <clears throat> you know, I remember having that conversation with you too, is, um, I, I think you either ask the question or, or we talk about, it's like, Hey, can I go a little bit more this week? Weather's good. I'm like, absolutely. And, and, and so our strategy was in this kind of off season shoulder season, we're into our kind of base building right now, um, was I'll build the minimum of what we need to do within a week. doesn't matter how, that gets done, whether Tuesday happens on Tuesday or Tuesday happens on Thursday, whatever, get it done in the week, add on more volume. If you can don't add on more intensity, add on more volume for, you know, hay in the barn or extra K's in the legs because weather's going to happen. And, and then it, it takes the stress off when we do have to either go inside or, you know, our 25 hour weeks get reduced down to 17 because we're more inside. So that's a very good strategy this time of year. And I would say, um, for people too, you know, you're not, people listening to this may not be doing that volume right now, but the same concept can apply. Nice. It's a nice, yeah. beautiful day. Don't waste it. If you got time, go get yep. some K's. Yep. And also, yeah, for sure. For me, if I know the reason why we're doing so something and, and I really believe in the program then, and with the long-term goal. So, cause sometimes right in the moment, it's like, Oh, I don't feel like doing this. It doesn't feel good, mm -hmm. but I know that it's a, a piece in the puzzle for the, the big aim that we have. And so sometimes it comes to kind of that a little bit more meta, but like, you know, your deep why of yeah. why, uh, of why you're doing something. Yeah. And when I can define that too, that also helps me kind of get through some of the, those harder, harder times. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, you kind of mentioned, um, kind of the future forward, some of the goals, what, what are you looking forward to most in 2023? Yeah. So we got a new team, uh, that we're going to, which, uh, EF TIBCO, right? <laughs> EF education first, TIBCO Silicon Valley bank. <laughs> that is a mouthful, but that <laughs> is the team name. <laughs> gotcha. I, and I, I've, I've butchered that on other podcast. Yes. That is the team name. Is it okay if I just call it EF Tipco for now and forever? I will say no, but you will do what you do. Okay. <laughs> okay. So looking forward to the new team. Congrats. Uh, yeah. First of all, on, on the new team. Um, so you're looking forward to that in 2023. Uh, what are you looking forward to about that? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to basically the ambition of the team really is to, to be a top five world tour team and, I am excited about the partners that we get to work with, with the other athletes and, and staff. Um, I've worked with some of them before and just really this like pursuit of, of excellence. And that, I mean, they, they really believe in me and that just, that gives me power. Um, and so I'm really excited to just perform in this environment. And uh, yeah, I, I think we have, you know, some, they're a very creative team. So we also see that on, on kind of their media side. And I'm just really excited to just 
add a bunch of personality to that. And, and, you know, I've said before, just a happy heart really just helps me perform well, or, you know, tackle some of the hard parts about bike racing and training. Um, yeah. And then I'm just, I love racing. So I'm really excited to, to see what we can do together in, in the spring in the classics. And also, I mean, there's girls on the team that are definitely a style of rider. I am not. And that gets me so excited because I believe that they can win and I, they, they can do things that I cannot do. And that is also really exciting. Cause in the end, I actually just, I want us to win everything. <laughs> I, I love winning. It's a special type of fun. And um, to be able to be a teammate that helps someone take a win and be a difference maker, that that's really what I, what I want to be in life and what I want to be in, in my team is a, a difference maker. And so, uh, you know, moments, if that can be me making, making the, the win happen or the goal happen, that's super exciting. But if I can also be the difference maker that makes it for a teammate that gets the win for us as a team, um, that just gets me jazzed up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a, uh, it's a marvelous fit for you. Um, I, I know and work with other riders on the team and, and I've, I've worked with other, um, athletes on that team. I think Linda Jackson, um, she's been in it forever um and uh runs a good show so i'm i'm super stoked for 2023 as well and right now we got all the trends and all the momentum going we'll, we'll keep our keep on uh with that as well but i'm i'm stoked for 2023 for sure yep for you um was this good i mean i th- we're we're kind of going long here which is awesome um but uh, i think it's i think it's about time to wrap this puppy up so you can you know, it's, it's getting late there. It's probably time for you to do your four hours uh, for today on the, on the trainer or something like that. So <laughs> just kidding. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, in summary, you know, if you're an athlete, if you're a human, you'll, you'll have setbacks, you'll have injuries, you'll have adversity. It's all part of life. And it's, it's not to say that you should, um, compartmentalize that or kind of cut yourself off from that. Let yourself feel it. That's super important for kind of the growth and the long-term and the empathy as, as person, even as an athlete, because you gotta, you gotta be able to, uh, be real with yourself in those situations. And I think it also helps you grow as an athlete to learn. Um, but you know, being, a, being adaptable in those situations and the highs and lows is one thing that we talked about today of being able to kind of punch through that adversity, seeking out balance, whether you're, you know, uh, in season or, you know, off season in kind of just chugging through the miles or just completely off the bike is, is something that we talked about today too. Um, but is there, is there another thing or two more things or a thousand more things that you would like to add to that? Uh, Ms. Jackson. Oh man. Yeah. No, so much. No, I think, you know, biggest takeaway is having that life balance, you know, having a few areas that, that, you know, if one area in life isn't going so well, you have a couple other to give you some positive feedback. And and then, yeah, be, you know, be, be able to have areas where you can build yourself back up to handle some of the, to handle the hard moments when it happens. And and then also, yeah, you know, our bodies can't differentiate between uh, different stresses. So, you know, physical stress, mental stress, um, you know, workplace stress, whatever to our bodies, it only means stress. And so sometimes for me, you know, and I've had some real 
life moment, you know, mental, emotional, relational stress, um, I ha- what can I control? Well, maybe not some of that or maybe not some of the workplace stress, but I can control, you know, maybe I have to back off on the training a little bit. And when you can kind of see, uh, basically this is, you know, protecting um, yourself from, you know, getting way too in a hole, but this understanding where stress is coming from and, and giving yourself the break to stay on top of, you know, in a, in a healthy way. So yeah, that would be my other, uh, I guess tip that I've also had to utilize. Yeah. Um, in, in my life in racing. Yeah, no, it's, you know, that's super vital, super important. We've talked about that too. I mean, how, uh, life stress or, you know, (laughs) um, LSS versus TSS, um, your life stress score. Um, the first thing, you know, when LSS is up, I mean the, the, yeah, the number one thing that you can bring down is that TSS, right. Um, and it's super hard to quantify. We don't have that I know of anyway, right. Like we don't have some sort of like, you know, brain capturing device to monitor this stress that we talk about, but we know it's there in an athlete, a person cannot perform when that LSS is high. And so, uh, knowing how to adjust, um, knowing when to adjust, I think is the art of, of living, whether you are, uh, you know, an athlete or human, uh, but tuning in and just becoming aware and, and trying to get the best out of yourself. And that's what I love about athletics is it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a good excuse to get the best out of yourself because it provides that platform, the community to do it. So, um, totally. yeah, well, this has been, this has been super awesome. I mean, I personally love talking to you, whether it's on the phone, on microphones, like we are today, WhatsApp voice messages back and forth to each other, smoke signals coming from Canada that down to DC yeah. or whatever we're doing. But, uh, so this has been a real treat. Uh, so thank you for taking time today to talk to us on the train, right? Podcast. Allison. Appreciate it. I'm always following along on, on these conversations and you got great people, uh, and experts, uh, in, in, yeah, their fields on here, chit chatting. And, uh, yeah, so it's fun. Thanks for having me. Hey, train ride fans. Uh, just in case you've been wondering where the ultra running show and, and Corinne have gone. Well, she has taken some pretty cool, um, opportunities and working on other projects in the ultra running community. We're super proud of her. Uh, we love Corinne and all that she's done with CTS and it's, it's cool to see her move on, um, to the things that she's working on now. So, um, in the meantime, our ultra running show will be taking a hiatus, but you can check out Coach Jason Coop's podcast, known as the Coopcast, uh, for all your ultra running needs. You can find it same places as you can find the Train Right podcast and Apple Podcast, um, Google, Spotify, all, all the places, YouTube things like that. So, um, but in the meantime, I will also be cranking out episodes here on the train, right? Podcast, uh, covering cycling, nutrition, all things, endurance, widgets, gadgets, data, all the things you've come to know and love, uh, on this, uh, quirky little podcast here too. So, uh, stay tuned for that as well as a few bonus episodes in the month of December, and we'll be having a good old time on the train, right? Podcast.